Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Yes, here we are once again. It's Tuesday, and it's time for Blog Talk Radio, and I am glad you are here with us uh, on this actually Halloween day of uh, 2023, and uh, it's going to be a wild day. Uh, It's going to be wild here at my house. We have the most popular street in town, our street and the one next to us. Uh, actually are shut down starting uh, in about an hour. They will put up standards and close the street down because there's just too many people and they don't want cars uh, uh, having to fight with them. And uh, we have probably, oh my gosh, we'll give out two or 3,000 pieces of candy um, in about an hour and a half. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing that goes on here. Um, so, uh, if you hear, uh, Ghostbusters uh, playing from, from, uh, the background, that, that's what's going on. Uh, but we welcome you to Blog Talk Radio and we, uh, welcome our guest who is not, no one new to us. He is actually one of our board members of Catch Ministry and he's, he lives in Sacramento, has his own, uh, public relations company that he operates there and uh, has been working with uh, basically Republican politicians for some time with their campaigns and going back to Arnold Schwarzenegger and others before him. Um, he's, uh, he's, been, he's been around and been in the business for a while. So uh, we, are, we are glad to have him and so glad that somebody like him is where he is in this place where he has a a sensitivity to the kingdom of god and uh, yet right there in the middle of politics it's quite a quite a a, a stretch for him i'm sure <laughs> and especially these days so it's very exciting to be able to get his perspective on things and that's what we hope to do tonight uh, so please welcome back to uh, Blog Talk Radio, Rob, Rob Stetsman. Welcome back, Rob. Hi, John. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Happy Meet All Your Neighbors Day, also yeah. known as Halloween. Yeah. Also known as Halloween. That's right. That's right. They'll be here in force, that's for sure. Well, Rob, I want to get right down to it because, uh, you know, it's no surprise to anyone uh, that Christianity in the last 20 to 30 years has been slowly becoming more and more political and uh, to the place where now uh, we have what is being called Christian nationalism and uh, uh, I'm not sure where that term comes from. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but 
you know, we have a, a new Speaker of the House who is actually uh, been labeled a Christian nationalist. So it's very interesting to see someone like that in a place of power and uh, in Washington. <laughs> the, I guess so. He the third in line for the presidency. And uh, we have um, an interesting, a really interesting development going on with what this means for Christians and people who truly want to follow Jesus. Um, I, Rob, well, I'll bring, I'll save that question for a little bit later. Let's just maybe talk a little bit, uh, if you would, about the term Christian nationalist and where where it comes from and and what what is a Christian a person who would you might describe as a Christian nationalist? Well, a literal. Christian nationalist would be somebody who believes that uh, the United States uh, is essentially uh, founded with the intent of being a, a Christian, a Christian nation, and then you know carry it out to its literal sense. That you know that means a theocracy. So yeah. you know the most most active Christian nationalists we see now who are articulating this perspective. And, and by the way, we say Christian nationalists. A lot of the, the the intellectual thinking behind this actually comes from very conservative uh, Catholics. So it's not necessarily a Protestant phenomena or solely a Protestant yeah. phenomena, but but very conservative Catholics who basically promote theocracy. So you know the idea is if you're if you're a if you're literally a Christian nationalist, you you essentially want to replace the United States Constitution uh, and take the, the, this country into a direction um, where it would be guided as um, a, a blend of church and state, of the, you know, be a theocracy. So right. it's, it's ironic in that you know there's I think in that there's cultural Christian nationalists who just feel like we should have Christian values, but then when confronted right. with the fact that if, they, if they're if they literal about it, they actually are opposing the founding fathers and the U.S. constitutions, and they're probably a bit bewildered by it. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a true intellectual uh, movement that believes in theocracy, and then I think by and large, there's a lot of conservative evangelical Americans that culturally uh, – yeah are identifying more this way, but probably don't really think through what the full ramifications would be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we, we say that, um, this country was founded on the, uh, the founding fathers and the separation of church and state was a very important part of, of their belief. And that was because they did not want, um, well, exactly as you say, they did not want a theocracy. They wanted a democracy, and they wanted the people to be in charge of making decisions through uh, election processes and through government uh, elected congressmen and, and the like. So that's that's what they've set up. Uh, and yet, I, I boy, I heard the other day someone talking about church and state and, uh, and and they actually made the comment that 
No, no, it should be church over state. <laughs> in other words, church in charge. Uh, and uh, that's kind of scary, don't you think? <laughs> well, it's it's antithetical to the United States and its founding and its constitution. Yeah. Uh, the forefathers uh, represented colonies that were founded by uh, essentially refugees that have that had fled religious persecution in Europe because there was a church uh, over state. So mm-hmm. it's you know the the irony of regressing back to that which we fled. Um, yeah, I, I you know is well, uh, I think tragic that this that there's a thinking that's starting to to evolve this way. Yeah. That the what the founders wanted was freedom of religion, and mm-hmm. what goes along with that, of course, is not placing any one specific religion or, or creed um, over uh, our our really remarkable you know governing document. Um, yeah. Now, some of this goes to our, you know, I think so many, you know, what we're seeing particularly right now is a crisis of American Christians um, identifying their nationality with their faith um, and intertwining those in such a way as I think they kind of get wrapped around the axle uh, intellectually and spiritually as to what they really um, want to see manifest itself. And, uh, yeah, it's John, it's a bunch. It's a it's a lot of bad teaching, um, <laughs> I think. And uh, you know, sadly, I, I think a lot of churches have bent to the this this will, this populist, uh, American nationalist type movement yes. and sentiment, as opposed to trying to correct um, people's thinking and beliefs, but to make it more biblically yeah. adherent. Yeah. Well, I can remember, you know, I can remember the early days. Of coming out of the Jesus movement, I would say back into the probably the 1980s was when I first started to see an awful lot of talk about um, <clears throat> a Christian nation and we've got to get back to God and we've got to call people, you know, we've got to get back to our original calling and I, I see this as a very natural outgrowth of where we've been heading. It's just, it seems like it's just gotten more and more strength as it's moved along. And, uh, and yet how, you know, how do, how do Christians fall into this? I mean, how, how do they, uh, how do they think that this is what America really is all about? And what what are they missing here? Well, it's it's a victim mentality that really infects, I think, a lot of Christians. So I think culturally evangelicals for decades have been uh, conditioned to believe they are persecuted. Um, and uh, sure, we can think of examples where that you know that could be the case. And then they get they are conditioned that the the culture is uh, is toxic and antithetical to to God and evil, even hostile to to God. So you know we, we've now developed this culture of, of victimhood, and then what comes out of that is well the the opportunity to correct that uh, you see through using government. So if we can control government and we can win political flight, fights, 
and then we can correct these things regarding culture and persecution of of Christians uh, by using the levers of government. And so you you, you become focused mm-hmm. on trying to w- solve what you think are the problems of, uh, that are resisting the quote unquote kingdom of God by using the the levers of government. And of course, you know, I mean, step back and think: is there a more worldly construct than trying to bring these bring uh, bring about the kingdom of god through uh, the fiat of 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 government um and it, it it's it's very similar let me look what did the jews expect when the messiah arrived uh they thought they expected a political solution they they wanted they thought it was someone that was going to take them out from under the thumb of the roman empire and of course then he didn't do that he offered something else uh, take them out from the under the thumb of sin um, but it wasn't what they wanted or immediately, at least immediately wanted or, or I decided there's a lot of similarities. Um, arguably, the, the, the Americans were in this place about 100 years ago. The temperance movement of the mm. 1920s was largely driven by this type of uh, this type of same same thinking and trying to use government to uh, control beliefs and society. So. There, yeah, there's some precedent for uh, for us as Americans and Christian Americans of having been in this place before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any ideas, Rob, where we're headed? Have you got any sense for where this thing goes from here? Well, I think it's I think it's I think it's bad for a while. Uh, I think it's a, it's a lot of bad teaching that's manifesting itself. It is uh, people are separating themselves. So that, that by that I mean um, people are sorting themselves out so that they they can just be with people that are like themselves. Uh, that's mm. happening amongst you know um, amongst American Christians, but it's also happening to secular people on the left. So we are becoming yeah. a more divided country. Our media mm-hmm. for, divides us, so we're able to go you know get into the warm the warm waters of whatever confirmation bias we want to hear in the way our news is delivered to us. There's an element of what social media does with the algorithms that just continue to promote uh, the repetitive additional, you know, same messages, and those yeah. messages then build upon themselves and become more radical. And this is a problem on the left and the right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, you know, all all of this is working uh, against us, and um, I think there's a lot of reason to be uh, to be concerned. The only place I think you can find uh, some some encouragement is there's been a I think there's starting to be a bit of a pushback on this wave of populist uh, politics that has swept the Western world really over the last decade. We're starting to see some things turn a bit in Europe. I, I hope the fever is starting to break here in the United States. And then the other thing I, we just don't know, John, is I, you know, I, I mean, the, the world is in a fragile place as we as we yeah. talk. We may look back and see a lar- larger world conflict that is, may already be underway. There, there may be the opportunity here to clarify what we really should be spending our time resisting and what really is evil in this world. Um, and unfortunately, that takes a common, a common enemy. Arguably, this is what galvanized the country and turned it around from where it was at in the 20s and 30s when they had to go to war to save, um, to save the world mm-hmm. in the 40s. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, let's hope it yeah. doesn't take that. But th- that also may be a dynamic that we're we are uh, beginning to approach. Wow. Well, Rob, what what should the average 
Christian do in in the middle of all this? What kind of priorities should we have in our life, and and how involved should we get in these uh, political issues ourselves? Oh, I think we should all be involved in in politics. I think it's healthy. Um, Christians are citizens. Um, they should be informed. Um, they should have opinions. They should be open-minded. Um, they should consider, uh, I think they should consider decisions they make as voters and as citizens from the heart of a, of a, of a, of a servant. That's what we are as Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think too, many, too often Christians are programmed and prone to consider their decisions uh, from a position of, of defense um, and wanting to be victors as opposed to wanting to be servants. So it's, it's, it's what Christians should do in any situation, and which we all struggle to do, which is humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and mm. uh, seek justice and mercy. Uh, that, I don't, that's, a, that's the prescription right there. Uh, and then mm. whatever that leads people to, um, I, I'm sure will not be consistent in every individual case, but I think that's also the point. We all have our different journeys. We can have different um, ideologies and still clearly uh, be within the brotherhood and sisterhood of, of faith. Um, mm-hmm. And let politics be politics let, in government and, and governance and, the, and let faith uh, be faith. But uh, there's really no reason we can't all agree to, to humble ourselves before God and before one another and see, seek servant-oriented um, yeah. answers to the questions we have and how we want to serve. Yes, yes. I've uh, I've always appreciated um, uh, Greg Gregory Boyd, his thinking in some of these areas, and he's the first one who I heard talk about how politics is <clears throat> basically uh, goes after power over people, and um, and how Jesus really talks about power under people, where we yeah. basically lift people up and. Uh, and that's what you're talking about. I mean, you have to, in order to get underneath and lift people up, that means we must work from a humble place ourselves. Uh, and when, that's right. And for those in politics that then ascend to power and have worldly power, yeah. um, the best examples we see of that are then those that can proceed with uh, the heart of a servant. And that doesn't mean at times you don't, you don't proceed with, um, uh, with the sword or or bear or barrier the teeth of a lion, um, mm-hmm. strength strength is part of how you lead in this world. But if you, but if you if you have that strength and you do so from a position of of, of humility and understanding that you are uh, you you need grace, uh, then those are the you know, those are the finest leaders that our world has ever seen. Yeah, we had. Uh... In fact, our last guest on uh, Block Talk Radio was Randall Balmer, who ha- uh, a couple years ago um, gave us a a uh, biography of, uh, of Jimmy Carter, and mm-hmm. uh, that was really interesting to think. It's always been interesting to me to think about him because uh, I I see him as a, that kind of a person. He's he, he's been kind of a servant leader. He's been a humble person. Uh, 
throughout. And he stayed consistent all the way since, you know, after his presidency, too. That shows that his heart is truly to serve people and lift them up. And uh, um, but, you know, he didn't it didn't look like he was really that good of a politician or that he fit very well in that (laughs) place. You know, right. Right. It just it was almost like the system was against him. I mean, is that you think it's possible? Yeah, Carter. I mean, yeah, Carter's that great example of uh, everything you described, this wonderful servant leader. Um, but uh, history will probably never uh, treat him well for his record as, as president. Um, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a difficult time, and there was a, there was a, lo- a lot of uh, – well, I have, a, I have a different political perspective than – than, than Carter's, uh, you know, economic and uh, failure in particular. However, you think about the greatest accomplishment of President Carter, and it is it is it is one of of peace and mm-hmm. brokering brokering peace between the Israelis and the Egyptians, which, by the way, has endured and is enduring mm-hmm. at this very moment with the incredible tension and war that is underway in that part of the world. So, mm-hmm. so Carter will forever will never get high marks for being a great president, but he'll always get high marks for being well, probably our most phenomenal citizen, former president. Certainly, yeah. lived out a great a great faith for all of us to see. But his accomplishment in terms of brokering that peace, uh, I think you know history will always acknowledge was a was a ter- tremendous accomplishment of his presidency. Uh, are you working with any politicians right now, Rob? Not none right now. Um, I'm, um, <laughs> I try to avoid the politicians, John. They're, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but there's uh, I make exceptions here and there, and then I do I do get involved in uh, yeah, super PAC type efforts to try to try to elect certain people but you know as you know you know i visit on this before as i'm a lifelong republican and i have a, a lot of difficulty supporting um a lot of politicians or people that put themselves on the ballot these days as republicans Hmm. wow well so uh do you feel like from your from your position in an average day and the people you are uh, uh, dealing with, do you feel like like you can accomplish anything? You can turn this thing at all? You know what I mean? Uh, in in the right direction? Well, it's been frustrating. I mean, I have a lot of uh, friends and colleagues who <clears throat> uh, share my share my view of. Uh, mm-hmm of grieving our party uh, in this, what, let's call it what it is, this era of, of Trump, which we've talked about before. Part of that's mm-hmm. nationalism. Part of it's political. It's isolationism and, um, that I, I think is dangerous and I don't, ag- I don't agree with. But, but the greatest grievance I have, or think, well, I should say the thing that grieves me the most, is what it's done to, I think, the American evangelical church in the past decade. Yeah. And yeah. what I just see is the, 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 the destruction of, of being salt and light uh, of the, the American evangelical church. So I, I, I think of it in two ways. I think about the political system. Um, 
I have some confidence that over time the system corrects. There's a, there's a kind of there's an economic incentive ultimately towards the middle um, uh, that the parties will figure out. Uh, and at the end of the day, what I care about is a political perspective. Uh, I don't care which party is going to going to get me there. Um, right now, I don't think either one does. Um, but then there's this other element of, of the spirit of the of the, the perspective with the with the church and what just I'm just crushed by um, what I see with people that have developed paranoia that have developed an affinity for conspiracy that um, are unwilling to trust um, or participate in strengthening institutions I should say um, and uh, have really become separatists and are, are stuck in a, 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 a Christian evangelical subculture um, that uh, I just think is, uh, is, is frankly uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, let, let's, try and, let's try and present something constructive uh, to our people in the, last, in the last five minutes we have here. Um, what what should we be focusing on, would you say, in, in our individual lives, in, in light of, you know, the divisions and the polarization and the hate that's going on all around us? What, what, what can we do? What should, what should we be really seeking to do with our place in the world, our friendships, uh, whatever we, whatever position we hold. Well, I, I, it's what I said earlier. I mean, I think what we need to do is, is, is we need to encourage uh, humility. Um, Hmm. I think we have to model it. So for those of us that are frustrated, I think we have to be careful to not become judgmental of, Hmm. of our brothers and sisters that are frustrating us so much during these days. Um, but then demonstrate a humility, practice it ourselves, be praying for them, and I think then challenge them. How often are they praying for um, maybe a president that they don't like and will constantly despise if not make fun of? How often are they praying for him? How often mm-hmm. are they praying for a vice president who they, they may despise? And these are, these, are like, th- these are fair things to just ask fellow Christians to do. And if, you know, if there's any modicum of sincerity of the faith, they have to, they have to admit that that is, um, that's right. something that they should reasonably be doing. And then what, you know, and then, you know, prayer changes our hearts, John, and mm-hmm. challenging, I think, ourselves to, to be praying for, uh, for the strength and well-being and wisdom and care of those that we have been conditioned or so many people have been conditioned to just despise personally uh, because mm. of their of their politics um i think that's a great challenge i think that's something we can try to do as we you know here we're, we're coming to the holidays again where we know we're going to have those family tables where um uncle so-and-so or you know <laughs> uh, sister yeah. so-and-so that we're going to have these political divisions that have defined our our family lives for the last mm-hmm. several years now uh, you know mm-hmm. what a great opportunity uh, to just say let's let's just humble our let's just humble ourselves and and pray together for all for all these things. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds mm-hmm. to me like the a constructive step that we can take and something that maybe will ground us uh, in our 
and our common uh, common belief that uh, we need to be divinely led yeah. and develop yeah. our hearts in a way that, that pleases God. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, one, one last thing. Uh, I've heard a lot of discussion about um, – now the difference between a, a republic and a and a democracy. Um, uh, can you uh, can you just address that really quick? Like, which what's the difference between those two? And 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 what do you, what are we are we truly a democracy? Or sure. Uh, well, yeah. In the purest sense, no. We're we're a republic. We are a representative style. We are a representative federal republic. That's what our constitution does. So we elect people to represent us in governing bodies and make decisions. And then our constitution protects certain rights uh, of of minorities. So you can't have a tyranny of the majority. Hey, hmm. Now within that republic, there's a lot of democratic democratic democracy uh, practices, right, including elections. Um, but a pure democracy is essentially majority rule of everything. And, you know, what, what our founders wisely did was protected against that tyranny of the majority. Um, hmm. And then every, and, other, and otherwise everything goes to a vote in its purest form, right? Every decision then has to go to a vote of the people. So what we did to not do that, we have representatives that convening governing bodies at a federal and state level, county level, city okay. level that are accountable to us, but they make those decisions. That's a republic. All right. We have them represent us, but they make their own decisions once yeah. they're in that and then position. You get to, yeah. And then, of course, you know, every two, four or six years, depending on the office, you get to decide whether to replace yeah. them or not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, we we are a re- republic. We were a little bit of both. It sounds like you're saying. Yeah, there's a lot of demo- yeah, there's a lot of democracy that goes into a republic, but it's uh, in a political science sense. It's we are not a pure democracy. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I I meant to ask that question earlier because I that's what I I, I wonder about that. But uh, it sounds like uh, the republic is the is the republic a, a model which could allow for uh, uh, control from above, like like could a could a republic allow for a theocracy? In other words, well, not not our republic, uh, mm-hmm. and it's really because of the the third. Uh, the, you know, we're familiar with the two branches of the presidency and and the, yeah. of course the Congress, but the but the Supreme Court really is that branch of government that would prevent uh, theocracy, uh, yeah. just as it prevents per, just as it prevents persecution and discrimination against Christians. I mean, frankly, the the current court uh, is overwhelmingly um, has has defended religious liberty. So you know, the, the Supreme Court is what makes sure you don't have the tyranny of the, of the majority. There are certain uh, – we, we each have individual civil rights in this country that are, that are really uh, quite remarkably protected uh, by, mm. the, by the judicial branch. Okay. Okay. Oh, my. Well, we have uh, 
we have, we have an interesting time in which we live. And uh, we'll just have to watch and watch and see what happens. What, one, one last question, just politically. What do, what do you think, what do you think it means that somebody uh, of uh, Johnson's uh, position um, becomes a speaker of the house? And does that, how does that, how does that change things? Do you think? Or does it? I, it doesn't change. It, it doesn't change much. Uh, the the House Republicans have, have a very thin governing majority, a very which is why uh, Speaker McCarthy um, didn't last long. Yeah, <laughs> it was easy to throw him out. So I, you know, like it demonstrates there, there's there's very little power in the speakership right now compared to what it would have been uh, historically. Uh, the fact that he is unknown um, and has not was not prepared to do this, I think you know, makes him a um, a bit of a, a bit of a, a place placekeeper for for the time being, and probably through the rest of the congressional session. But I, my my guess is that Johnson becomes a, an answer to a trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, Rob, for shedding light on things and uh we'll continue to pray that we truly uh are members first and foremost of the kingdom of god and and uh, get our instructions from him as to what he wants amen to do. yeah he 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 is he is sovereign not the u.s government <laughs> amen. thank goodness thank goodness okay Rob. good to have halloween uh and uh, we'll we'll have you again next. Sounds good, John. Uh, have, have fun okay. handing out the candy tonight. Yeah, you bet. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Uh, well, folks, there you go. Another Blog Talk Radio and a little more information and insight about our political position and what we we need to be doing in the future. This is an exciting time. Listen to the Lord. And uh, what I want to take away from this is um, Rob's insistence on humility. That's that's the important one. Let's be humble, whatever. And uh, God bless. God bless.